You're listening to Outside Radio. Welcome everyone to our show, Notes Exchange. Um, thank you so much for everyone who's been on the show, who's, follow- who's followed Notes Exchange. Our first episode, we had Olali Boy, who was like super amazing from the Eastern Cape. Um, our last episode was Umle, Umle Sound. Do you know Umle? I don't know them. Are they in Kabeha? Yes, was it Kabeha? Yeah, yes. I saw the clip. I saw the, yeah. Yes, so we had them. So they were really cool. Um, and then now we're doing something different because it's been music, music, music. And the whole point of notes exchange is art and different disciplines. And also just to challenge myself at the same time, you know, just gotta be out here. Um, we have Tadile, who is uh, a dancer. But actually, no, let's, let's start properly. Welcome, Tadile, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Nicole. For sure. So, so what I do for um, my podcast is I always let people introduce themselves because I feel like as black bodies, like we never given the full opportunity to introduce yourself and say this is who I am, you know. So, who is Utandile? What makes Tandile tick? Tandile, Gwagambacha, Uzalwa. Mazangweni, um, as a line don't be a summer quashini, Unyana was a Mazangwen, or coolly sell, um, Emangabanini, which is Mama. Okay, so yeah, you know, we have Nessians in those land also. Um, Utandile was born as a Ekapa, um, Utandile is a dancer, um, a performer, a scholar. A speaker, um, a, a facilitator, um, coordinator. I, yeah, Jesus Christ. I just let me say what makes me tick, yeah, and where you'd find me and where you'd find my work is anything that has to do with the LGBTQ plus community in South Africa and Africa at large, black and brown bodies specifically, um, femme, trans, and and gender non-conforming bodies. You will find me and my work there. That's what makes me tick. All these things I've mentioned that I do, they all they will always be tied with that thing that makes me tick. So I won't. I I'm very aligned when it comes to brand. Yes, I like that. <laughs> because when you you must know you gotta talk those three things: gender. Um, sex, you know, uh, fluidity, gender conforming, trans, femme, black and brown bodies in South Africa and Africa and there. Yeah, and those things are like quite important, you know, like it's something that um, I would like to say it's new and conversation and still growing. And, you know, and if you have a platform and you have access, why not speak about it? And especially if it's like your lived truth as well, you know, I think it's very important mm. such engaging mm. so just on that on that being um new um i and i and i think i understand what you're saying but we have to caution that it queerness in africa is not new yes. um um it was it, it homophobia started being a thing in the 1800s before that um 
uh, a royalty would engage in homosexual um, relations. Um, you find this in Credo Mutua's writings. You'll find this in um, uh, Zakes Madar's um, writing as well. They did some research, extensive research on uh, um, queerness and queerness is African. Yes, for sure. So I'm guessing after that you left for the National School of Arts. Um, yes. What was yeah. that experience like? Because I get so jealous when I I'm like, oh, I really want to. Do that. <laughs> you know, my mom very traditional. Yeah. So we not look at all. <laughs> so how was that experience? Uh, uh, it was. It it really. I can super say that I'm sitting here today comfortable as I am in my body because of that school. Um, it played, like, I, I get a little bit emotional. I don't think I would be sitting here and, like, be the person that I am today if it wasn't for that school. Reason being, the moment I walked in, the, I mean, when I went for the audition um, in grade nine, I was just so overwhelmed at just the prestige you walk in the school, you see how prestigious it is. You, the people, are, when the teachers, the learners, they all walk like this, holding their bodies up. And it's not like a highbrow thing, but it's just like, I am so comfortable and happy in my body. That's the first thing I saw. Like everybody looked so comfortable and proud of they, themselves. And I was obviously intimidated by that. And, and like, because I was still dealing and I was in a very, you know, strict school at the time and whatnot and um, so that school really shaped who i am today and 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 it, it shaped me being uh, being able to articulate who i am actually because i've always known who i am since i was in crash i was seeing playing like, i knew that i was queer since crash kid you not but that school really helped me to articulate and be proud of articulating who the fuck i am actually um it shaped me beyond the form which is the dance dancing i mean they offered five different forms of dance but to the self seeing people like desire maria Buyani, who's a big sister to me um who's always been a big sister to me i, I arrived at nsa to their arms um that whole thing of just having community I, like it's the first time i felt like I have a community of queer people that care and love and um, affirm and validate who the hell I am. And the space itself validated the, the diversity and, 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 and people. So beyond the form and um, it really, for me, it like to the self, it was very feeding. It was very like, it's a pillar that I still draw from. Um, the bravery that I had in those years, my friend and I'm a very close friend. I still talk about how brave we were back then. And we always draw from that. Because you know, as you grow older, see your yika, see so yika, like the older you get, it's like the more bank brookie you get, you know? Yeah, like you get chipped away slowly. Yeah. Of like, yes, of, of, of a risk of, because I guess there's more to lose and life becomes more precious because we feel like it's it's that much more precarious the older you get. Um, you're more aware of how like cheap it is, Pilo. Yes. And then we are like scared of doing things like jump, bungee jumping and shit like that. So, my friend and I always draw back from that bravery of that of that day, like of those three years we were there, and we both arrived at the same um, same year in 20, 2009, 10, 11 year. So 
yeah, it, it was so, so, so paramount to my um, development that I still draw from it in my 28 years of living. I still look back at pictures and uh, events of like, yeah, we still chat and laugh about how we only, um, a friend of mine, uh, we wanted to go to Mr. KSA in, in Pretoria and he found himself, now we have to ask for money, right? Now he's asking for money from his grand. And then he's like, ah, go on, you Mr. Kaysa. So we went, yeah, we drove from all these and like, we bumped into our math <laughs> Yeah. We bumped into our math teacher at the after party. We always knew he's gay. Also, we had gay teachers that were also out at the school. So it was so affirming. That's so cool. affirming. And I mean to just also draw on that um the confidence and the, the space of being able to be yourself you know like true self you know um do you think you'd be able to do that if you were like in cape town do you think it will it would have been a, there's a space as a young queer body um to 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 go through that catharsis basically mm-hmm. Look, in 2008, let me say 2007, when I when I decided to leave, or oh, six, whatever, I can't think that far back. But I remember telling my parents in grade six, like, the reason why I wanted to leave was because I felt like I was suffocating, like, in, in Cape Town. Um, and one of, also, one, my parents asked me to write five reasons before I left, um, or why I wanted to go to boarding school. Um, in grade seven and one of them was like i need a new start i don't want to go to cape town high and i'll still be seeing people there and also i had a very bad um uh, a bad incident when i was in grade five in my primary school um i was seeing this boy he was in grade six was a year um, above me um we used to like after school i'd go to his place he lived just down the road and literally like play housey housey jump in the pool make like smoothies and take showers together like we, we were like and his mom was a nurse so you know how nurses work awkward hours and like very long hours so he was never home my mom his mom was never home so he it it it, it came out in the school that we together or like we whatever right and you like you share like i think i shared it to a friend and then it just went spread like a wildfire so I, I i wanted to leave because i felt like i didn't have i wouldn't have space to be myself i would always be judged because like cape town is small we all knew who was going where like i knew that all the good schools like i would find at least one or two kids from manley primary and i didn't want that i felt like i wanted to write i needed a clean slate i wanted to really explore my queerness without like worrying like i wanted to reintroduce myself as a queer person you know um without having a burden so i i don't think in 2006 or 7 cape town was the best place for a young 11 year old queer boy no maybe today yes like and as a person who works with schools who's been around a couple of times in schools in cape town i see a lot of young queer people really queering it the fuck out and that excites me because for me i was in grade seven at the time like I, yeah back then no yeah and I think also with like the the internet, it, it helps as well because you can build a community outside of the physical spaces, you know. I also feel like um, I was having this conversation with someone and I was like, yo, yes, Cape Town, um, I don't know if I'd be openly okay to walk around with my girlfriend in Cape Town. Like, 
and it, and i mean this is like a couple of years ago it's not even like um early 2000s it's like 20, mm. what, 2014 15 16 mm. yeah and i was like oh i don't know if i could cuz like cape town is just a lot and then they were like oh but cape town's like the the best place yeah the gate have- yeah and i'm just like no <laughs> no no not in real life that is greenpoint yes maybe greenpoint is the capital of fucking dondon in south africa but not Kwalanga. Yeah, okay, maybe Kwalanga is also still big. quite progressive actually. Yeah. But like the further down you go in the flatlands of Cape Town, it's not that. Hmm. And mean, this even is in yeah. town, you know, Tanile like TPH like honestly it's just like you have this safe like I feel safe because I'm in like the CBD, I'm in town. But no, really no. No, you're not safe. <laughs> I wonder if it has anything to do with this thing of being like of growing up here like do you worry about bumping into maybe your aunt or like a cousin or I don't know. I'm like those people I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like my mom knew about it, my mom knows about it, you know, and as long as she knows and she's okay like mm. but yeah. You know. Yeah. But anyway, going back to um school and dance, um what what discipline of dance are you and why and even at UCT and mm. the the type of dance you teach mm. so i mean i still i i i started dancing when um um the imperialist um thing was still a big thing in dance like and which was ballet at the time classical ballet like um and also like there's a lot of class issues in dance um and at the time the pinnacle of dance was ballet and not even contemporary actually i think contemporary was just um you know getting in you know its badges or like being looked at as a form as a formal form you know but for a long time um the classic the classic the classics were were regarded the best or like the dance to do So when I started off at Chanel's dance studio in Crofenet I was doing um studio hip hop and 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 um con- modern dance right actually yeah you have any contemporary like contemporary is really like probably the last 10 15 years if I'm being ambitious even about 15 years ago that started you know getting its but modern dance was at the foot of cla- of classical ballet so if you did you know you had so I started with those two um, um modern dance and and hip hop and then i went on to the nsa where um we got we did um classical ballet contemporary dance um 10 hours so okay i'm going to name the main ones and then i'm going to i'm 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 also i'm trying to um reveal here the 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 class thing in dance mm. so we had four hours we had two hours something called addm two hours every day um at the school to do addm so art drama dance and music so you'd all go to your respective departments in those two hours so every day would get um ballet and contemporary um spanish dance jazz and maybe a little bit of modern we only literally had 10 hours of african dance a year a year when i was applying at uct i was like ah for 3 full years at nsa i would literally catch on cuck at the bar the bar gate is like the first 
set of exercises you do for ballet. So at the bar, literally hang at the bar, like literally hang at the bar. Mr. Norman Brenner would be so irritated. He hated me. Um, but like, because I just, I was so angry at the fact that like, my feet are flat. I'm being told that I can't turn out. I'm told that I'm too short. I can't partner anybody. Um, I'm basically told that I can't do ballet. So now why am I here? Why am I being forced to do this thing? So um, ballet was the bar. If you couldn't do ballet, then you were not a dancer, basically. <laughs> right? <Magic. laughs> so um, I think because of that trauma, I went and decided to major in classical ballet at the University of Cape Town. <laughs> prove them wrong i mean that's that's the energy right that's the energy but how damaging is that energy that's why i'm like i wish i hadn't done that you know like yes it's that prove them wrong um, um demeanor even with i was literally i was like from grade 10 i was like i'm gonna prove them wrong let me get there and i won't be the sissy that they think i'm gonna be and exactly i did that i'm very queer people were very good at that because that is all we know defending ourselves and always overcompensating and always being the best you know because we are always apparently yes. you know so we excelled everything else around us because we looked at it. so i decided i'm going to do classical ballet when i got here i, I auditioned for classical ballet they're like oh you have all the facility and this is something also i really hated about throughout my training years of dancing it's like oh you have all the facility like you have the potential but we need you to do this, we need to be more serious. It's almost like you have to rid yourself of yourself to be a part of this cult thing that is classical ballet. Yeah. Four years of doing that. That's why I feel like, and then I had to do a lot of undoing afterwards. That's why I'm saying like, yes, I proved them wrong. I was, I became really good at it and I got the grades and you know, cheeky as hell, but I still did my shift. Um, but at what, at whose expense? Yeah. How, where am I sitting now? of all those three to four years of being told, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And already as a queer body, I'm already like coming, my jump off point is of yeah. not feel, of feeling good enough. And then I go again and go traumatize myself with this form where I'm always being told I'm good enough. So that's why I think I went straight to performance art afterwards because I had so much to say about my queerness, my blackness, my shortness, my feminness, my tininess, my, you know, everything i wanted to say so much and i was tired of telling fucking giselle and cinderella stories i didn't even go into that like mm. I, I knew i knew i think from second year i was like i'm not getting into a, a ballet company i'm not getting into a dance company i'm not going to get there and tell anybody else's stories for 5k a month where i can't even afford rent and i'm at somebody's mercy i'm going into a company every day i'm being told i'm not good enough i'm not doing that i'm actually going to do what i want to do which costed me a lot but then I navigated ways and, and things. You're good now. Yeah, so. <laughs> no. And it's, it's interesting you say that, um, like, because, I mean, ballet, right? We all hear how ballet is like, um, I even have a friend, she's like stick thin, black girl, stick thin, you know? did ballet and they were like, oh no, your boobs are too big. You can't stand yeah. up, you can't create posture i don't know these terms yeah, yeah. the lines are broken because your boobs are away. yes they were just being impossible and like she she ended up quitting um ballet 
um, because she was just like she couldn't take the, the the anxiety of going to a class every day to be put down. And then even now, mm-hmm. I mean, now she's like had a baby, but she's still stick thin. You know, she bounced back. Like you know, she's still this same body. Um, yeah. And she wants to go back to ballet, um, just even just you know as a form of like therapy, like exercise. You know what I'm saying? Um, but she still harbors that anxiety inside of her. Like maybe I should think about something else. You know, this also speaks to um, what a lot of black kids go through when they go to like private schools. You know, you go there mm-hmm. every single day. Um, and you get told, oh, you're not the best. Like I remember a drama teacher once saying to me, like shouting in front of like the whole class, like, I just want you to be your best. And I was like, oh, did you do it? You know my best more than me. Like, <laughs> I'm very confused. Like you're humiliating me, but at the same time, you're just telling me I'm supposed to be my best, you know? And when I left that goddamn mistaken school, <laughs> I never wanted to see white people ever again. <laughs> I was so angry. <laughs> I was really, really angry. So I totally, I, I hear. I'm, yeah, I, I often say this, like um, our parents, you know, they were doing their best taking us to these schools, but we really, we shared a lot of ourselves and like we're walking with all, a, a lot of anxiety and trauma of not being enough. Because we were being as we were trying to assimilate so much um, at the schools and you know be a part of the place, like learn the language and nobody else don't speak Iskosa. Even as friends during break, you couldn't speak Iskosa or your or your home language. Like we did so much to just be a part of this thing that's not even ours. It's not even real, you know. It's not even real. Yeah. Not our lives, you know. Yeah. <sighs> Ooh, okay, I just need to calm down. A lot of undoing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Touched a nerve. <laughs> and you know, um, I think you touched on this a little bit when you said you you weren't going to go to um, a, a ballet company or a dance company per se. Um, <clears throat> why did you choose dance? I mean, like you said, you like you have other talents as well. Um, but why did you think dance was your medium of communication of all these um, mm. things that have mm. been happening to your body, you know? Mm. You know, I think it's also that thing of poverty. Um, I know my parents spent a lot of money for me to go to the National School of the Arts. My dad had to sell his car at some point for my fees. It was a thing of, I've chosen this and I need to make it work. I don't have room to fail. My parents don't have the money for me to take a gap here, for me to reconfigure what my other talents are. I'll figure them out as I go forward. Like I have now in 2021, I'm sitting here, you know, owning these all these other talents. But I'll tell you, Bana, it was a trauma response, reason why I stuck with dance. I don't want to fail. Um, I knew my prince. I didn't have capacity to fail. I didn't have capacity to throw this thing away. My prince would be highly disappointed after putting so much in. And also because they supported me so much in the thing. So I felt like I couldn't just wake up now and say, I actually want to go study law after all these years and all the investment um, that they, they put in. And then there's this thing of making it work. My mother, I come from a very, a person who 
makes shit work. And if you know a black mother, I'm sure your mother, you know this about your mother. Like if you know a black woman, you know somebody who makes shit work. And she always said to me, like I did something I know, something I'm imparting to my sisters now. Like once you start something, yes, it's agonizing, finish it. Yeah. Especially if windows are common and all that somebody can never take away from you. Like something like a degree or like a qualification or whatever. That's the biggest one for us, yeah. Yes, for me. Like once you start, so I, 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 for me, it was a thing of, I've started this dancing thing. I need to make it work. So in, in matric, I remember I applied for TUT. Now I'm talking about, um, I'm trying to um, sow this thing of making it work. Um, in matric, I applied for TUT um, and, and UCT. And on the morning of the audition at TUT, that Saturday, I remember quite well, I woke up that morning and I said, I'm not going there. Because what if I break my, okay, so UCT is more academic, like it also focuses on teaching or, or, or the education or pedagogy, right? And TUT at the time was very um, performance-based and, and they, they were making performance, your mamela nyamzas and, and so on. Mm. And at, so, so I had to sit down on that Saturday morning. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go to TUT because what if I break my leg? And something that always was recurring, as supportive as, as my parents were, but a recurring theme every time was, girl, what are you going to do if you break your leg? Or like, what are you going to do if you can't physically dance anymore? What are you going to do with this art, like with, with this form? What can you do with it? So then I started, like, I knew UCT was teaching about critical writing and I'm, um, 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 mm. you know, writing about dance and, and, and being a dance critique. I, I knew about, I, I knew that there was dance therapy. I knew that there was um, dance education, like a dance, like to be a dance teacher. So UCT offered more of that. So then I thought, okay, no, I'm not going to even go to that um, audition because I know I know I'm good and I know they're going to take me. And even if I'm not good, they will always tell me you have so much potential. I know they're going to take me and I'm going to be lured in. So I'm not even going to go to that audition. And I just came, I was like, and the, the UCT one was like, I think later in the, in the year. So I was like, I don't have a choice but to make this work, the UCT one. And now remember, I'm auditioning for something that I, I was not even interested in in high school. That would, that's something that they would have to take me for. So you can imagine that hour, that agony in that audition of that hour of, you know what, I'm going to lift this leg and it's going to go to 90 degrees and it's going to stay there while I stretch my knees because I have to, this, this is it. Mm. So this thing of trauma response, but this is it. It's all I have. Um, that's why I, I'm, I still stuck with it. And then I, I found ways, Nicole, to, to make it speak to myself and my history and to make it speak to my people and to make it speak to the things that I'm interested in, hence performance art. Um, I knew that I could make, I could communicate something with my body. I, I saw it with all the different productions we do from high school all the way to, to, to university. I saw the power of when I'm on stage and what people say after like, like how I embody the character or like what my body does or when I'm moving, what people feel. People always say, oh my gosh, like you're moving us. Like I was so moved. And I'll be thinking, ah, that was probably like, that was a story about, I don't know, something like some prince somewhere, you know, we did Chicago at some point, we did Footloose at some point in, in high school. These are all narratives that I, I have nothing to do with my body, at least directly. Mm. And people are, are able to grab something when I perform them. How's about I do something that speaks directly to my body and 
how much how much will people be moved you know so that that's how I, yeah that's how I made dancing work um from that decision of not wanting to go to TUT from um you know uh how I made it work after um university is also just a, a testament to trauma a, a trauma response poverty of it's it's that thing of not having you don't have so you don't have room to fuck up yeah survival basically you know right. you did a, a piece with social social justice Co- coalition right um hashtag right to protest yeah. and then yeah. i mean this is like a a form of cuz now in the space that you're in it's a form of like protest theater um street theater you know um and with protest theater there's always like threads right like themes that run through you know so what were some of the themes right. that and specifically this mm-hmm. rendition of it this remake of it what were some of the themes that were going through um that you wanted to portray in the piece SJC yes SJC yeah no? so um that that was uh um a lot of dis- like themes of displacement um um home um community and and a sort of um solidarity there were a lot of themes like i think every so what sjc did curated really well they started at the bridge um on philip khosana the footbridge there there was um um sweat um um the loves from sweat were were on that so everywhere like from there all the way down to um upper canterbury all the way then we walk we walked all the way then to parliament so all the, the the installations that were happening all the way from the bridge all was all spoke to systems of oppression really you know sex work is work um uh, we had the, the gana must go bag was a, a very big theme also um on 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 uh, themes of 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 migration you know a lot that you I'm mean, not that protest actually that, that was so loaded mm. so so loaded but i think a really big theme was just this thing of movement and 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 and, and what and mobility and and what care what is what do you carry with you when you move and what, what do you bring to the new place when you when you get there so every time each group of performers would travel from there it was part of installation after they've done it and come to you and pick you up this thing of community and holding one another mm. um yeah and then also what i really liked about that performance was like the 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 costume design the soundscaping as well you know like um there wasn't a real audio oh. yeah. no oh that that mm. was that was really mm. cool like how did you this is, i'm tired yes like toilet and then the people were carrying bags mm. you know bassing you know um yes mm, um how how did mm. that um when creating the piece um come up like how did that mm. come into flourishing there was a group i hate that i forget their name but we met 
at Shisimani Center for um, Activ Activist Education um, one Saturday before the main day to kind of like meet as, the, as the, 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 the people that are doing interventions, the artists that are doing interventions or installations. Um, and there was a group of singers that really got us into Amakwicho, first, first go. Um, and that, that, uh, that's how it, like, it was, you know how song, you know how sound, soundscape is very, yeah, yes, actually, it's Pilangai. Um, so that, that's what happened. It happened in the space live. And then we came up and that thing of purging, tired, um, exhaustion came out, um, naturally as the thing was going and people held onto onto that 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 soundscape we all met um yeah one one for one session to kind of share and talk about our art and then see where parallels would um would, could be drawn oh that's so cool uh, and then when you create a piece where where do you usually start like this is like any piece in general like um Nandia's tonga it pieces um actually um in Jagelena and ends get two weeks back. I'm currently in the process of making a one man show for one of my projects for the for the MA. And earlier I told on a but mainly yeah literally. Um no there's tonga it piece um Nikon there's tonga and there's piwa in fact I look at I look at concepts as gifts. I really I I get i get them as gifts like i'll wake up in the ams at two or three um this this recent one most recent one um i was busy partying and i wanted to use something in my Ndumba, but i knew this like because it needs to be a sacred biographical object that we're working with for this show and i was like but i can't take any of my like maybe should i take pictures of my of my space but i'm like oh i feel like that's really invasive and then as i was sitting there I got another concept, like I was gifted another concept. Just by looking at a thing, there's a thing somewhere. So they, they really come as gifts. And then I sit down um, with my candles on um, and just kneel and take a, uh, my, my notebook out and then start transcribing the concept um, as it is coming. Um, yeah, that's literally. And then after that, then I close a book after the initial tongaring close a book and obviously it will come it is our money boo yes almost like you poop or you poop sometimes my poop which is i really hate go back when you want money in the pump and happy mean is a compass and a poop of an then you come over ah can they even poop healing that poop oh sometimes it's just a color or like a sound you're like oh shit can i go so i do that deal value in atlantic in what and then I pay me and as money is weird and then go mind your ball again. Yeah, but developed. Yeah, but developed. Yeah, money developer all the trouble. And then I just go to the floor. I go to the floor. But the floor is literally the last. It's actually the last place I go to. Like it's it's the it's the last um, point in terms of timeline and how the the, the concept comes. Like it comes up and EP went leland which I was very happy about this time. And then I go to the floor and work with what I'm given. Um, but it's literally a gift. I can't say more about that. Mm. I mean, we are African bodies. We we are African, right? Um, and I know dance is like a 
uh, a big thing in African tradition and culture. Each like ceremony has its own dance. Each like um, moment, you know, has its own dance. Like we dance so much. Like even if we sad, yeah. we be yeah. dancing. <laughs> yeah. You know, we be dancing even if we sad. You're like, oh, okay, two step to mm-hmm. feel better. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. from across like the the continent, or and even just from South Africa itself, what types of um, dance styles um, have inspired you and your work um, mm-hmm. and in the past? Mm. Uh, really cute. Um, it's Glendo uh, on on this thing of we dance or go 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 whether we have any occasion Jay it is it's it's dance and is you know so I my aunt I grew up my aunt my mom's um sister uh she 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 is uh yeah to us like and uh, right so she she um would have intro um at a at a house a strand and we would go there like while I was in primary would you know my mom would be like I want to support my sister so from those ceremonies and even like um in Lini like go to say Makaya and stuff watching Umkenzo and watching my aunt specifically at Kenza for me like it, it it's it's something that keeps on reoccurring in my work actually. Um Kenzo really inspires me. Sitswana and, and Sitswana um, traditional dance really also inspires me. And, and I don't know, maybe there's something I'm drawn to about um, intricate footwork because that's something Sitswana dance and Iskasa um, Umklenso have in common. So maybe I'm, I'm very like, yeah, drawn to um, intricate and footwork. And also because actually, then I went and majored in metric also in Spanish dancing, which has a lot of stomping and like, and very rhythmic with the feet. So I'm very drawn to body percussion when the body can make um, sound and, and percussive sound. And hope and most of the time it happens with the feet when you move the feet in a certain way. Um, that I really like. Also in the school, I really like percussion. So you're going to New York with Zanella Moholi. Um, mm-hmm. What was that experience like? What was it like working with them? You know, um, uh, how were you even selected, you know, to be part of this whole process, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, spill the tea. Spill the tea, chair. So it's, um, I think it was 20, actually still 17 or eight, 18, early 18, actually, first quarter of 2018. Um, no, man, we went there in 2017, I get it? Mm. Yes. It was 2018 I was doing the PGC, yeah, definitely. So 2017, early 2017, we are at Maitland Workshop, some um, industrially looking art space. Like it's actually deep in the industrial area. Yeah, because Maitland is very industrial, that area. So it's it's like a gallery that um, it was, so we're in a gallery, a space we're going to watch. Pardon, we're going to witness Somnyama Gonyama as Anele Moholi, um, a friend of mine. Pardon, Lindy was really invited me because um, their partner is one of the protégés, um, Moholi. So we go, we're like, okay, sharp. We've always heard and known about Moholi. Um, it would be like, it's great. Anyway, so now I'm confronted by this huge portraits, like fucking man, if man size is nothing, like room, fuck, 
blown up things, like probably like eight meters long, you know, and like four wide and shit like that. Portraits, self-portraits of Noli. Black and white, very majestic, very um, stark. Um, it's also, it's Moholi's eyes for me. It's Moholi's eyes for me. And it's funny because like in person, I don't get that same feeling. I don't know what they do when they are taking photographs that I'm able to kind of have that comment, like uh, a eye-to-eye -eye connection and conversation with their work. Um, we really, um, you know, I'm very familiar with them, but I've never actually like, it's almost like actually your own things, you know, like when I'm, when, when you're sitting like this now, I, I don't remember ever like looking straight into their eyes or like, or like, you know, speak, you know, addressing them straight into their eyes like this and like getting that thing I get when, mm. but anyway, yeah, so overwhelmed with like a lot of feelings in, in the room and I started moving, um, mid exhibition people are walking around people are doing shit and i hate that this sounds like that put yourself out there story like it really was not you know i don't want it to come off like that you like because there's a lot of pressure there and there's a lot of violence in that thing of work hard put yourself out yeah. there like uh, uh, uh. so i was just like move yeah i was just then uh, compelled really by all the fucking great art around me started moving and then moholi saw me and then obviously and then we were like we we met and stuff and a couple of months later um we exchanged numbers a couple of months later they um asked me to join their team going to the Pinale, um the new york uh what do they call it now performer <laughs> performer with an a at the end 17 was the iteration um Damn, uh, Mohol is very unorthodox in, in the way they work. Um, if you're looking for structure, you're not going to find it there. And which kind of made it difficult um, a lot because there were like so many other bodies to consider. This is the thing about working with a lot of people. And like, I'm glad for the experiences from high school of like choreographing group dances and stuff like as an assignment or whatever. It really teaches you interpersonal skills and how to like coordinate people and, and stuff like that. And that the um, structure and if me coming from really like as much as I hate structure, but like most of my disciplines and the institutions I was at, they were very structured and um, really unorthodox way of working. As, as I said earlier in this interview, we, we met, we all met at the airport. Literally, we didn't even have a meet and greet in South Africa. We met at, on the flight. And even when we got there, um, we were in, we were, we lived in Bedford uh, Stuyvesant. I was confronted with like really, literally what they say about this concrete garden and um, jungle thing. Like we barely see trees. It's literally gray. Um, the sky is gray. The time we were there, it was um, winter out of, it was fall winter-ish, like coming out of fall into thick winter, November. If it, if, yeah, if it actually must have been thick winter. Um, gray skies, gray buildings, um, really a concrete version of our informal settlements. Oh, wow. Okay. That's an interesting. That's the first time I've heard someone describe um, New York like that. Wild. Okay. Really? Um, honestly, I mean, the most glamorous is, of course, Times Square and, you know, um, Broadway and shit like that. But you get into Brooklyn, you, you see the projects, 
um, my friend and I, Lindy, where we actually, so Lindy and I also got, we, we got to go together as um, they went as a writer. Um, so it was a team of different people, musicians, writers, poets, every like, um, of course, a whole crew of um, photographers um, and videographers that were always in our oats, like brushing your teeth, somebody's taking like a video of you and like they're recording and shit like that. So, um, uh, oh, Lindy and I woke up this one morning and we took a walk around the block. It was, I think, our first morning actually, we took a, a walk around the block and then we took another walk in the afternoon. We stopped at this park and then we saw these two boys, maybe like barely 12, 14. You know, the kids, they, they look older. So they must yeah. have been younger if they're 15, actually. So um, they're sitting on this jungle gym and we want some dank chow. We're like, um, where do we get it? It is. <laughs> so we, we, uh, sweetie, while we're chilling with them, so now we roll one and we're chilling with them. Do we not see that one of them has a gun on their person? Wow. A gun on their person. When chills, right? Sai Chilo joins are watching over our bags because we're like, we don't know when this kid's going to pop. Right. But they, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, a variety um, of experiences working with Moholi, very unorthodox, um, very I think it's the land of being adamant on what you want as an artist and how you want yeah. it done. Because it, I think because we, some of us, and like we, we respect um, the act of, of, of being given an idea and, and a concept. So you can't have anybody just come and like touch and change and do touch-ups onto it, you know? So very, very stern person, very, very, this is how I think it should happen. Um, and if you're not doing like that, sharp, take me out of like Ning and Fagi. Very, um, you know. I'll just be like, let it be whack. Goodbye. Let it be whack. I'm fucking out. Don't, yeah. I don't know my name. Down with the shit. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So, you know, I mean, like, you went to New York, you have all these amazing opportunities, and um, you also just growing up. Um, your parents were really keen on you doing this, you know. Um, how mm. would you describe the environment, Kmos Mandalay, Kaili Chaulaga, you know, um, the environment when it comes to culture, you know, and how culture is used in that environment. So sometimes, like, it would be like a, a random NGO coming in to... to rehabilitate you know <laughs> the the kids you know um like what are your thoughts on that with um culture and the environment and how culture is used most of the time in the environment hmm. Ooh, that's that that's huge that's a huge um because like i'm looking i'm thinking now you know I'm thinking of basking. Um, the, the 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 groups that go to town and bask um, and and wear um traditional outfits and there's always like a man around like helping them dance mm. or like kind of managing that. That that image came to me now as you're talking about culture and environment and like how culture is used with movement and dance. 
Um, I think for the most part, we first need to catch up to culture, especially in our current context and what it means for us as Africans. Um, we're still looking at culture in a very, very narrow, blinkered and binary, if you like, form. Like, it has to be animal skin. You have to be wearing a color mine. Yeah. You have to be barefoot. There has to be percussion, you know. What what does, like, this, this, there's more to to culture, right? And then, and, and then now, I, I think once once we grapple with that concept of culture being an ever changing and ever evolving thing, and something that ought to 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 to, to include everybody that lives in the space, um, culture has just been very heteronormative in South Africa for a long time. Um, and it obliterates totally like erases um uh gender diverse and and and, and lgbtq plus people um and that's also why i'm so big on the solo ball and like and, and carrying on that kind of work i know this is coming up but like i'm i'm finna just really i was saying to a friend of mine actually solo inshallah phd cash i'm just gonna host fucking balls because there's something that is missing about the culture. There's culture that we're not articulating in South Africa. There's a group of people that we're excluding from culture altogether, deliberately so, exactly. Um, so I, I, when we, once we do that, and then I think we can like, then get into like environment, even environment, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I can't even, I, I don't even think I can articulate as well as I, I would like, because of I feel this, this huge gap first in, in in culture and what it looks like, and then therefore I my mouth is closed. Like therefore, I'm I, I really can't even speak on it because I and one and you come now, a culture piece explore up, and then also then I think of Abandwana, the, the kids that go and bask in different parts of Cape Town. And often the people that are, are, are facilitating this thing, these NGOs that you're talking about. Um, what are we doing? Okay, as NGOs, I'm, I'm big on NGOs. I'm part of an NGO and I work with NGOs that do a lot of facilitating. I like working with young people. But a, and, not even but, and a constant question I always ask myself when I do engagements um, with young people um, with three in Jabulo Anti-Bullying Project and all Shisimani Center for Activist Education, I always ask myself, what am i like how how am i facilitating holding outside of these three hours that i'm with these young people how am i like when they get home what are they, like when they get back to the environment and, and their the communities what are they doing with this knowledge that they're getting here and how am i like what what can i do after i i i facilitate them for three hours and really sometimes trigger because anything and everything is triggering. Trigger, um, leave them with unanswered questions, um, rock their worlds up upside down. How am I holding space after that? You know, so this thing of like maybe even WhatsApp groups. I mean, I have a WhatsApp group with a couple of group, young groups of young people, giving my number for, to them for WhatsApps, for them to text me, um, for like this kind of continual. And how do we build sustainable relationships with this thing of rehabilitating young people when we go there as voyeurs, because we're literally voyeurs, most of yes. us, even if deep, 
come from a, a disadvantaged community like Langa or Kailich or whatever. But if I step into Makaya, I don't live in Makaya. I don't, I've never lived in Makaya. So I'm a voyeur the moment I go there. Yes, I'm coming with some context of Gassi life, but not that of Makaya. And there's a lot of obliterate, like this is where I think like media, somebody spoke about media at the protest and what, and the fact that media is actually very complicit in um, like uh, black, uh, black and brown queer bodies being not getting airtime. They only ever want to come to us when we are dead and, 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 and uh, being, being murdered. And you're also just making me think, just to digress, you know, digressing oh, my favorite thing to do. <laughs> um, Gessi, right? Um, and his and his um, perpetuation, you know, of this media trope ideas and identities that we um, are speaking about. Like, how do you feel about that? Especially, what 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 event was it when? What's 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 his fake drag? Manila, Manila Vontese. Yeah. Oh no, um, Savannah, Savannah, Savannah. Yeah, you whatever. know, like, what do you think about that? Like, um, a performative, um, yeah, very performative. You know. And you know what exhausts me the most is that, and I hate to do this. I hate to do this, but they have put themselves in such close proximity to Siv that I can't not mention them. Siv is busy. Siv is not dressing himself. Um, somebody's giving him access. Yes. And I hate to throw a queer person, a queer drag queen under the bus, but I feel like they actually signed up for this. Like they threw themselves under the bus in this way. That's for me the saddest thing is that this person is is, is being co-signed mm. by fucking people in the industry that they are trying to break into. Mm. It is highly problematic because it again perpetuates this thing of it. This whole thing is performative, right? Um, and even if it is, it is still specific to a group of people. And also, not even about coming out. I guess they, they, they label themselves as an ally, Usiv, right? Um, but I think even a, like, a spe- like as an ally, like there are boundaries. Um, there are, yeah, there are boundaries. Um, there's appropriation. Siv Ngesi is busy appropriating drag culture mm. and they, they fail to 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 own up to that and understand that um it's they have no proximity like like being an ally and i think this is something that like a really a, a teachable moment glendogasiv is this thing of allyship being an ally means you are literally a student you are you are at the mercy, to say the least, for a lack of a better word. You're at the mercy of the people you're saying you're an ally to. You're saying you're an ally to. If they say they feel uncomfortable about what you're doing, fuck your allyship. Fuck your 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 project of whatever. Like Siv can go on and on and on and rationalize why they're doing this, but they should listen first to this group of people that they are they are saying they're allies to. The fact that I don't know if this babe has not actually asked herself this question, Bana. How is it that 
Siv can get endorsements. Bags, money. On her name. Bags on her name. And she has been doing this work for how long? And she's never gotten such big brands behind her name. Why is she not asking herself this, this question? It's this thing of queer people sometimes of clapping for straight people when they say they're not homophobic. This thing of clapping for straight people when they say, oh no, I'm comfortable or I tolerate queer people. This thing of clapping for people, for straight people that say, oh no, we are, we're allies. Oh, let's clap for him. He's actually, he actually has a dress on as a straight man. How does this speak to the community, like to the, to the, to the LGBTQ plus community? It, it says that this thing is a, it's, it's a performance, yeah. right? Stephen Gacy needs to listen first. Like I'm actually appalled at him. Yeah. I'm really appalled. If they are really an ally, people need to understand this fucking thing of allyship. Like you can't be an ally. Yeah. What does it mean to be an ally? You need to listen to these people. Oh. You know, and do you, ah, yeah, you say you're supporting? No, no, no. Kanjani. Kanjani. Okay, cool. So I think that's the end of our chat. Thank you so oh. much for being here. Like, um, like you know, I was nervous. <laughs> I know you did. I was nervous. But now, like, hey, Sim Nandi, beautiful conversation. You have, you have yes. such great insights, you know, and mm. thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This thing I was saying of um, platforms wanting to know about us and our work, is it's, it's a, it really is an honor. It doesn't happen very often. Um, it's a very sporadic thing. Um, and... I'm really, like, really, really, really grateful. And also just, like, very chuffed that you find my work and myself interesting. Outside of, like, our familiarity. That 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 really humbles me. <laughs> I see you, Zora. I see you, Zora. Oh, you see me. <laughs> you see yes, me. I see you. <laughs> Thanks, guys, so much for watching. You can catch Outside Radio on Instagram. Yeah, just Instagram, and then you can go into our link in bio, and you'll find like all our links, podcasts, YouTube page, everything on there. Yes. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you guys for having us and watching. <laughs> <laughs>